What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Transfer deadline is in full swing and transfers on this Tuesday bulletin are in full swing. We're joined by a new Tuesday contributor and James following in the footsteps of uh, myself here um, at uni doing journalism. So another young budding journalist on the pod. Good to have you on the Tuesday pod. And Liam, you said before we came on the podcast, I've got a 19 year old and you're 19 stone. So we're balancing everything out, eh? Aye, aye. Plus, you know, you, you, you two young pups are, are doing journalism just now. I graduated in journalism 15 years ago and I've already become jaded and dropped out of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm coming at the other end as you guys are getting in. So there we go. Yep, the future's <laughs> bright. Cheer is up on this Tuesday afternoon. We were just talking about our um, difference in weather. James, you're through in Edinburgh. I'm in Glasgow. Liam, you're in Japan and you said it's absolutely Baltic over there now. Yep, uh... Minus seven, just a couple of degrees away from a Rangers deficit. 
only the two to go and hopefully more aye, it's, aye. Uh, it's one week as our tagline says it's one week until deadline day um, this month has been a bit crazy um, I've already lost Josip Juranovic who we will get on to chat about because we've not been on since he's departed the club and we want to talk about other potential Celtic exits where else to start than the fresh news that came out less than an hour ago Moritz Jens James since it's your Tuesday debut we'll come to you in this one surprised or not surprised yeah, I'm not really that surprised. There have been sort of murmurings over the last few weeks and they seem to have sort of fallen out of favour at Celtic. It started off really hot because of Starfelt's injury. He was getting all the game time. So I think if Starfelt hadn't been injured since the end came in, he wouldn't have had as much game time as he'd previously had. So I don't know if that's been played on his mind. I was playing all the time here and now. I'm not getting any game time at all. But since the sort of hot start, scoring goals for fun, He's had a lot of sort of shaky moments defensively. I think the St Mirren game, the 2 0 game, stands out in my mind. It was him and Welsh that started at centre back that day, and it was not the most convincing of partnerships. I think Jens was up against Curtis Main, and it was very similar to the games where it was Lyndon Dykes up against Christopher Julian. He just looked mm. nervous and getting ragdolled off the big physical striker. I don't think it would be worth Celtic paying the three million price tag. It was a good little experiment. We've brought the player in on loan. It hasn't worked. We're not going to pay the fee and he's going to go back to his club. I think it was sort of decent business from Celtic. Try before you buy. Yeah, I think there's a lot in that to pick out there, Liam. And I think James is spot on there. You know, Moritz James played 19 times for Celtic in the first part of that season. He's yet to feature since after the World Cup break. I know he's been on the bench a few times. He wasn't at the weekend. Um, I'd agree with James in that one. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Had Carol Starfield likely not had that setback when they came back after the Rangers game um, sorry during the Rangers game I, I don't think that, that Moritz Shanks would have featured so often for Celtic what, what's your thoughts on that? No I mean you know he came in and he looked good on his on his debut in the couple of games after that but um, no it's clear that Ange's preferred back to was always Starfelt and, uh, and Carter Vickers mm. and even now it's always going to be Carter Vickers plus one and I think recent performances have shown that Kobayashi, if he's not getting ahead of Starfelt, he's definitely the next in line, mm. which then puts Jens at number three. Um, and it's like, do you really want to sit around at a club? Because the whole point of him going to Celtic was to get game time. But he now has three other centre-backs ahead of him. Um, and also there's the issue of having enough Scottish players on the books versus... Uh, foreign players so getting uh, getting another foreign name off the books if we're not using him helps towards that quota and um, look he came in he did a good job I don't think he put a foot wrong I just think our other options are better and uh, I wish him well in whatever he does next and that's all about advancing evolving that's something the manager's continually spoken about as you said, James, as well, you know, it was a try before Dubai. We knew we were in a situation where Starfield wasn't going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Um, obviously, Stephen Wells started the first game of the season, scored the first goal of Celtic season against Aberdeen. Yates comes in, he scores a really important goal up at Ross County. So even if he does depart during this window, um, you know, he played his part t- towards the league title. He scored that really important goal late on in Dingwall and then scores the following week at, uh, at Rugby Park. But as you say, we seem to have worked this transfer quite well, that we Starfield being out, we brought someone in for cover, we got to the January window, and Andrew obviously had a preferred option in Yuki Kobayashi from Vsel Kobe. Yeah, Kobayashi looks 
like a very solid player. It's going to be an impossible task, as you said, to displace the Starfield Carter Vickers partnership. I don't think they've lost a game in the league where they've played together. I think the only mm-hmm. domestic game I've lost was the Scottish Cup semi final. But it's an impossible task, so it's just saying to displace them and Kobayashi looks to be in a lot better stead to split that centre-back pairing up than Stephen Welsh or Moritz Jens. And I think you missed out that it was a bicycle kick that Moritz Jens scored that Kilmarnock won it. That's right, aye. Yep. 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 Jackie Mack is your other one. No, absolutely. It was two two good goals, um, important goals, as I say, but, you know, when you have Carol Starfield, as you say, Liam, looked like the first-choice pick. It was always going to be difficult to displace him, um, it just looks as if it probably is best for both parties here. But obviously talking about the report that came out about an hour ago, um, saying that more exchanges likely to have his loan deal cut short at Celtic and return to Lorient in France. I think there's a possibly some Bundesliga clubs interested um, and, and there might be some also uh, offers from France. But it's an interesting one. Um, as I say, I think Celtic have kind of worked this transfer quite well. And it also indicates possibly, Liam, you know, we saw Bruce and Lavo come off the bench at the weekend, that the manager's probably more keen to try and bring somebody in from the B team than he would be to have a lone player who we might not be willing to pay the fee for at the end of the season in and around the squad. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have essentially a bench-warming centre-back, you're better having one that you've developed yourself than one that's on loan and you're going to have to pay seven figures for at the end of the season if you want to keep them. Um, Lawal has looked good at the B-team level, but that is the B-team level. Um, Although, don't say that to Aberdeen today, you know. (laughs) But uh, the the thing is that um, it's better all round from a financial point of view, from a player development point of view, um, to have, if we're going to have a centre-back on the bench, it's better that it's Lowell or or Welsh than it being Jens, because that doesn't work for him and it doesn't really work for Celtic either. Yeah, that, that's it. And it kind of it builds into quite a, a, a you know interesting picture here, as we say. You know, Cameron Carter-Vickers, as you say, Liam, is really the sticker in that back four. Starfield, he's, you know, has been an important player for Celtic. Kobe Ashes came in, looks like he's going to be favourite to to play that left sided. You've obviously got Stephen Wells still at the club. Boston Lowell came off the bench at the weekend. So James, I'll throw this one off over to you. Do you think the club will still be listening to offers for for Stephen Welsh, even if um, Moritz Shane's heads back to to France? I think it's a really tricky situation because the club seems to have a lot of trust. And Bolson Laval, they rate him very highly, as we saw with him coming off the bench against Morton. But I think Steve Melch has got a lot of attributes to offer to this Antipostacoglu system. Like he's passing his distribution from the back, it's important to the system we play. But in big games, do you want to be calling upon Stephen Welsh to come in and play them? I think one of the big reasons why I mentioned the game earlier, but that one of the reasons why we lost that Scottish Cup semi final last season was some of the players that came on didn't really play their part. And we've got high quality depth in most positions across the park, especially in the front line. I'd be confident with our Hak Sabanovic coming into the squad. He's a backup player just now. I'd be very confident with him coming into a big game for Celtic. Would I be the same with Stephen Welsh? No, I wouldn't. I don't consider him high quality depth. But as a fourth choice player, I'd say he's solid enough. But if offers come in where Welsh can get more game time, maybe a team from Italy or something, then I, so I wouldn't be against selling Stephen Welsh. 
And again, that kind of ties into that that conversation we've had on here before is almost you know the, the Italian market uh, acting with, with Scotland like like Celtic have been with the G League and looking to to bring in talent, develop them, then, then move them on. Aaron Hickey, obviously the prime example. Liam Ferguson over there, and uh, Liam Henderson's been over there for a wee while too. Um, Liam, bring come to you in this one. Um, comment in here saying the interest a bit cutthroat, but I like it. Is it big club behaviour at last? What, what, what is your take on that? Do you think in previous years Celtic would have maybe, you know, just kept Yates until the end of the season uh, because they've already got him in the building, try and keep him around the place? Or is this just a sign of a, a manager who really is ruthless? I don't think it's so much ruthlessness as it is preparedness. Um, I think if Yens had been in the door in the you know in a previous manager's time, um, I don't think we would even went for Kobayashi because the board would have said, oh, you've got a perfectly good centre-back there already. And you've got Stephen Welsh as the backup. Um, but, you know, the fact that Ange went out and signed Kobayashi because he clearly saw him as an upgrade on, on Jens and possibly mm. even Starfelt, um, that speaks to this we-never-stop mentality, constantly moving forward, constantly striving for better. And uh, it's really good to see that. Um, and yeah, it is big club behaviour because if we want to be a club that can do things in, in the Champions League next year, you know, we we, we put, up, put up some good performances, but points-wise, we barely landed up below this season. Mm-hmm. That is the one big disappointment since Ange came in is that we haven't really done it in Europe yet. But we are building towards that. You know, we've got a, a few players now with World Cup experience. We are constantly developing the squad all the time. Yeah, I really think it's the right move. I don't necessarily see, see it as a cutthroat move, but I think it's a very decisive move. I think that's a, a fair way of putting it, Liam. Um, to bring in a comment here from, from Martin in, in the chat, he's saying that Jens' spell with Celtic will have benefited both Celtic and the player himself as he gained some European experience which will have got him noticed by other clubs. Good luck to the lad. Um, and Gary Oliver coming in here, he said that he thinks Stephen Bell stays now that Yance is heading back to his parent club. It's a it's an interesting one, James, because, you know, they mentioned there, Celtic always want that, that quota of homegrown talent for whenever you're entering European competition. We know that a report a couple of weeks ago came out saying that Stephen Wells, um, that the club were willing to listen to offers for, for Stephen Wells. Um we know previously Toulouse and, and Udinese have shown interest in him. For, for me at this point and his development, it probably makes more sense for the player to go out and get game time, whether that's loan or permanent, just, just for his sake too, because he's not going to develop at all sitting on the bench at Celtic. Yeah, and I think for the sake of the Scottish national team as well, we could really use some central defenders there. And we've seen how effective it's been for some of the defenders coming from our league going over to Italy. I, a league that's sort of world-renowned for the defenders that play over in that league. Mm. Josh Doig has gone over there to Hellas Verona. As another and one, yep. an absolute blinder linked with Inter Milan. Um, Aaron Hickey got a big move to Brentford in the summer after he shined over in that league. So Stephen Welsh, he'll be thinking, I could have a similar sort of resurgence. I don't want to be... I know he's a Celtic fan. He might be perfectly happy with just being at the club. But if he's got a bit of ambition about himself, perhaps a move away a league like the Serie A could be the way to sort of push on his career. 
It, it potentially could be. Um, Pete coming in in the comments here to say he thinks that Welsh has a lot of potential, um, but we'll, we'll not see it realised until well he's left on the bench. Um, so yeah, a lot a different chat there coming in about our, our set of half uh, options at this point in time. But Liam, as someone who lives in Japan, watches J League football, Yuki Kobayashi, he's been absolutely excellent the, the, the past two games that I've watched him, and I think he's only going to get better um, last week when I got the chance to speak to the manager I'd asked him about Hatati and Maeda since it'd been a year since he'd came into the club you know he came away with the line that you know what excites him is they're only going to get better and I think Yuki Kobayashi is also uh, in that conversation too Yeah well when on the day we signed Kobayashi I uh, I said on, on Celtic Down Under and I'll say it again um, within the next year uh, Japan's first choice centre back pairing will be Kobayashi and Itakura it's that that's the future for for the Japanese national team, and that will obviously benefit Celtic as well. Yeah, and I remember you you, you said that um, Itakura's still at Gladbach, isn't he? At this point in time, um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, I think we got the better player in getting Kobayashi instead of him. Itakura's a great player. Kobayashi's a wee bit younger and a wee bit faster, and I think he has the potential to develop into a more well-rounded central defender. Yeah, and a lot of people had noticed that Kobe Ashi was a player that was quite happy to play the ball out for the back. Um, he had great, you know, stats in in that too, um, and just looked as if he would fit the mould of Celtic. Obviously, we were linked here to Kuda last summer, um, and again, you know, could have been all very different. Maybe had he came in um, in the summer, against might have not came in. We might have not sort of bought Kobe Ashi. You, you just never know. Um, in terms of other outgoings, James, I've spoken there about Stephen Welsh and Moritz Jens, Yusuke Adeguchi. Um As far as I know, Celtic, I think, are still trying to, to get a deal for him to move on, which, again, is going to be much better for the player. He's not featured at all for Celtic this season. I think when we signed the three players from Japan last January, Maidan Hatati, I think, had a lot of confidence about, but the sort of unknown quantity there was Yosuke Adeguchi. No one really knew because he had been at Leeds before that and it didn't work out so we're thinking this this is a real gamble and it's it's not worked out to be perfectly honest with you I think a move back to his homeland could be on his horizon I think that's been the teams that have been linked with him but he's never really got a chance and when the chance may potentially have opened up injuries have plagued him it's been the case with the last sort of few Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Defensive midfielders that we've signed, Dabblegard as well. Cal McGregor is the captain. He's not going to come out of that team. And the fact that when Cal McGregor was injured, instead of giving Idiguchi or someone else a chance, we just dropped Matt O'Reilly back. That says sort of everything you need to know about the other defensive midfielders at the club. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's, you know, a bit of our season, James, that I thought that Celtic might have tried out either Abelgaard in there or if it was going to be a Gucci's chance he would get that chance and as you see Matt O'Reilly went back into that position Liam what's your take on this whole Gucci scenario been because as James says you know, he'd been a player who'd already played in British football it didn't quite work out at Leeds United 
he, he's came over a, a, again for a second bash at it with a manager who obviously knew from um, his time in the J League. But you know, really after that that injury against Dalawa, I think he, he did come on in the last game of the season against Motherwell, wee bit in pre-season, but just he's not been in the picture at all for Celtic this season. I, I feel really sorry for him because it's the exact same thing as what happened at Leeds. You know, came in, looked like a good prospect, got a bad injury and never really recovered from it. Ended up going out on loan to a couple of teams in, in Europe and it didn't work for him and ended up back in Japan. Um, you know, he's still young. He's still only, I think, 25 or 26. But this... If a, if a Japanese player is going to cut it in Europe, usually it's by the time they're about 26. And I think Celtic might be his last chance to make it in Europe and it's not worked out for him. And um, I really feel sorry for him because he's not, he's not, I, I don't, you know, the games that he's played, I don't think he's ever had a bad game, but he's never had an outstanding game either. And the problem is when you're a fringe player, this is you to come in and do something to earn that place. Hmm. And, you know, take Maeda, for example. Maeda came into the team last season when, um, you know, when Kyogo was injured and later on switched to a wide position and showed that he had enough to warrant getting in the team ahead of, um, you know, ahead of the likes of Abada at the time. And, you know, he's had his little down spell as well. But since the World Cup, he's been arguably our best player. Um, And that's because he got that run. But he earned it with some good performances and some important goals. Idiguchi never put a foot wrong, but never really did anything on the assertive side of it either. So I really, it's a shame. He's a good player. There's a, there's a good player in there, but we're never going to see it because it's a type of position as well where it's very difficult to shine. And that all goes back into the conversation the manager had when he was asked weeks ago about Scott Robertson, you know, about timing for some players. Obviously, that's a different scale of that spectrum. Um, when you're a youth player trying to break into the team, but even for for Yusuke Deguchi, you know, timing-wise with the injury and everything else that, that came with it, coming back into the team just as the, the the season came to a close, you know, and then as you said earlier on, James, you know, Abelgard gets brought in on deadline day last summer, which I, again can indicate that at that point he probably wasn't really and the picture that you were trying to fill your squad out, um, but looking at, at him too, um, he doesn't really look as if he's in the picture now. And now that we've signed Tomoki Iwata, I, I just don't see a, a place either that it sells it for Abelgard. I know that, again, he's much like uh, Moritz Jens and that he's a lone player and it's something that Celtic might look to do is just end his contract and he could end up back. I think it's Alberg that are interested in him in, in Denmark. Yeah, Alborg back in his homeland are very interested. But I remember back in the summer, after we'd got the priority signings out of the way, we'd signed Jota, we'd signed Carter Vickers. Everybody was raving about getting a backup to Cam McGregor. We need a six, we need a six. So when Abelgard came in, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit excited. I hadn't heard of the guy, but it was a position filled where I knew that we needed a player. But mm. he's just not had a chance. He's not started a game, I think, Every time he's came on off the bench, it's been around about 80, 85 minutes. He's not had a proper chance. He must not have the quality to make the starting squad because he's been fit. He's not had any injuries. But again, even like I said earlier, even when Cal McGregor was injured, he didn't get a chance. Matt O'Reilly got dropped back. 
So it's been a bit of a tough spell for him at Celtic, so perhaps a move back to his homeland, some familiar surroundings will do him the world of good. Yeah, and again, his football's been disrupted with the the, the situations that have been on um, at Ruben Kazan. It's why Celtic managed to actually get him in. Um, I'm sure he'll probably uh, be hungry for a chance just to play regular football again. And, you know, just to look here at Abogard, Liam, six Premiership appearances and he's a total minutes of 67 minutes. Um, two Champions League appearances, 60 minutes. One in the League Cup, yeah. 29 minutes. So it's uh, nine appearances for Celtic, 156 minutes, which isn't great reading. And uh, again, probably much like Idiguchi for me, yeah, he's not had a great chance to come off uh, and shine in games in terms of his game time, but he's never really been a standout and a fought. Um, in the game over in Leipzig, which is the bulkiest minutes he came on for 52 minutes, was the chance to, to really step up, and he, he just didn't, and, and much like Adeguchi just doesn't look in the picture at all. No, again, it's it's the same problem as Adeguchi. The onus is on the player to earn that place, and just you know, just hitting the, the base level is not enough. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to do something special. And we've not seen anything special from Abelgard or Ridiguchi, unfortunately. No, but, but we've not. Um, in, in terms of this as well, do, do you think that both Abelgard, last year this Liam, and Yentz have been those kind of stopgap signings until we wanted to wait till the January t- to bring in the likes of Wata and Kobayashi? Do you think that planning was already done in the summer and we knew we just needed to get a stopgap in? Um... In Kobe Ash's case, I think yes, because from last season we knew that he was good, but um, it's only really uh, in the second half of this J-League season, which concluded in November, that Iwata has really emerged as as like a you know one of the players of the year. Um, so I don't know how long ago that was in, in the offing. I mean, in, in, the, in the, the press conference we did with Iwata, he said that the he first heard of Celtic's interest in November. Mm. Um, but I think it's probably a wee bit earlier than that. Um, but being a professional, he's not going to talk about where he's going next while his current club season is still ongoing. Um, but you know, the J League season concluded at the middle of November, and he was uh, he was free to move to Celtic uh, after that. But yeah, I think that definitely in the case of Kobayashi, Jens was a stopgap until we could get Kobayashi in. In hindsight, that seems like the case. Not so sure about um, about the whole Abelgard thing because at the end of the day, we already had McCarthy and Deguchi who were supposed to be filling that role and hadn't. Mm. I think Abelgard was another throw of the dice and that hasn't worked either. So then we thought, right, we'll go and get Iwata. And, you know, all right, it was against Morton, but he looked decent when he came on. So hopefully he's done enough to show that he's the man now to be that, that backup for Cal Mack. Absolutely, and more game time I think will, will help him obviously with the way to Dundee United this weekend, no fixture card midweek and then we've got that game against Livingston eh, next Wednesday at Celtic Park it might be a good wee time to rotate and possibly see Iwata um, in, in one or two of those games it almost seemed lame as if they kinda, the chips were down eventually and I said that, that's the player that I want, go and get him um, yeah. and Abelgard James, do you think it was possibly a, a case you know, it was the first signing we'd brought in from Ruben Kazan in the, the space of a year that we just went back to a kind of tied and tested club that we obviously brought Carl Starfield and Sia Taxibanovich from. I'd previously did business. And as I say, I, 
almost looks like a kind of stopgap because in Awata's case, um, Ange said just after we'd signed him that they, they came on the part the, the presser. Um, but when I'd asked him, you know, about the impact he wants to make, you know, he said he was a player he was really keen on bringing in Liam, and it was almost a kind of, you know, it wanted to be respectful towards Yokohama and not taking Maeda and Iwata both together so quickly. Um, so just in terms of that, James, do you think that the Abelgard, in terms of that link that Celtic had already built up with Ruben Kazan, it was just to kind of, yep, we'll go back and try that again? Yeah, I think you would have seen that Starfield had worked out the season before. I think Ange, you must have some sort of guy linked with the club or some sort of guy that's somewhere to how we had Dudu Dahan for so, so many years. But Abelgard, it just hasn't worked out. And it could potentially be a stopgap signing, but I don't think Ange really does stopgap signings. It seems to sign every player with a bit of intention about him. It's just Abelgard just hasn't really worked out. And just on Iwata, it's an unpopular opinion, but I'm a bit worried about him because Cal McGregor, he doesn't get dropped. He plays every single game apart from the sort of injury there. Cal McGregor, he doesn't drop out of that team. So, again, I think the opportunities are going to be hard to come by, but Iwata was the the J-League Player of the Year. He clearly is very, very highly rated. So, he could have the qualities to cause some, provide some good rotation to Cal McGregor, but the worries are there considering the way the last few defence midfielders we signed have went and how undroppable Carl McGregor is. I think his opportunities might be a bit limited. Do you think there could be a case that Iwata coming in possibly moves Carl McGregor's position in the team that obviously he's been playing that pivot all so often for Ange Postacoglu. I always describe him in there as the midfield metronome because he just makes everything tick. But possibly Iwata coming in could mean that McGregor pushes forward or you start to see a rotation in that midfield, you know, between obviously Moyes in that conversation now, Hitati, O'Reilly... Turnbull still in the conversation that you start to see this kind of regular rotation in there? Um, I think so. I think you would be... Sorry, James, on you go. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not too sure that Ange would do that because he's, there's already so much quality in those sort of further forward midfield positions and he, he likes Carl McGregor. There, would, there was opportunities where he could have pushed Carl McGregor forward but he's so good at linking the defence to the attack mm. that I don't think... Ange would want to do that and again with the quality players we have there Moy, Hitati, O'Reilly, Turnbull that's already four top quality players vying for those positions so I don't see why he would push Cat McGregor forward we all know how good he is in that position but he is also phenomenal as a defensive midfielder and I think he's sort of that, that's his role Yeah, the midfield metronome Liam, what's your take on that? Do you think there could be potential for that? Well, I think the one the one midfield player who has had a dip in form recently is O'Reilly. And if he comes out of the team, you could then push Kalmak a wee bit further up and bring Iwata into that role. So that's a potential in for him. Um, But, you know, that's the thing, though, because, you know, we've got Moy, we've got Hitati, we have McGregor, and we have O'Reilly. That's four players who can all potentially play attacking mid. But then you also have Moy... O'Reilly and McGregor, who also can play defensive mid, and Iwata can come in and play defensive mid. So I really think that there's a, like you say, there's a lot of scope for switching back and forth there accordingly. But I definitely, I'd be interested to see 
if Ange tries an experiment in the next couple of weeks to see how we can get Kalmak and Iwata into the same team. Because apart from anything else, although, you know, the, the archetype we think of Japanese players as have been kind of slight build, whatever, Iwata can dig, right? He, he, he likes a tackle and he can fly in. He's no fear. Um, that is something that really characterised his performances in the J-League this, this year. Uh, sorry, this past year. Um, and I think particularly, you know, for games against Rangers, for games in Europe where we might be a bit more up against it in terms of the amount of possession we have, there are going to be times you're going to want to deploy two defensive midfielders. And that's when having Iwata and McGregor able to play together is going to be very useful. So I think hopefully, you know, uh, a month or two down the line, once the league is kind of wrapped up, I think we could see him playing a lot more um, to try and build that partnership. Mm, yeah, that, that's something that, that Peter, I want to bring in from the comments, is saying that he believes that in Europe, Ange may yeah. play with two number sixes at Iwata uh, and Cal Mack. Do, do you think that could possibly end the, the thinking of this, James, at this point in time? Because we know the managers are just going to think about, you know, what, what's directly coming. He's obviously got his eyes already probably set on next season, and that could be a p- potential. And obviously, it's, it's interesting just now to look at Celtic's points that, you know, were well better off than we were at this point last season that's including a Champions League campaign we saw how much rotation we had between those Champions League fixtures I think it just gives a really good scope and that you know as Liam says I think you probably will start to see Iwata and Callum McGregor in the team because again we'll also be preparing that if there is any departures from the side that you've already got the players in there um, you know to, to, to cover at this point in time I think that could be a very real possibility for the Champions League next year because one of the main sort of problems I had, I think our downfall was that the midfield was getting bypassed far too easily. So I think a bit more defensive cover, a bit more defensive stability in the midfield could really stand us in good stead. I'm not sure, Ange, he always plays with one number six at Celtic. I'm not too sure if he played with a double pivot at Yokohama any time I wasn't really paying attention at that time. Liam, are you aware? Did they play with... Um, well, I remember I was at a game where they played Man City in a pre-season friendly and he deployed two number sixes. But that was against Man City. So, you know, he was trying to keep Kevin De Bruyne under wraps in that game. So I don't know if that was the standard or if that was just uh, for that one-off game. I think if he's done that against Manchester City, though, that's obviously a much better opposition than Yokohama. He clearly has that in his locker, in his thinking for when he's facing much better opposition. So that's a very real possibility that that could be something that we put into place when we're facing sort of opposition of a higher level. If we get a Real Madrid-level team as we did sort of this season, it can be a very real possibility. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, and just for thinking about Champions League, we shipped too many goals last time. Um, and, yeah, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Coming in to say double pivots are not uncommon. Amy has used a free at the back too, absolutely. So there's a lot of options there. And I think this, you know, again, this comment coming in here from Ed is a real good point. Isn't it just a great position for us to be in quality cover? in all positions um, and I, I, again Liam you know I think a lot is possibly fought just with the age of Aaron Moy when he came in he'd be that guy to go into that kind of you know double six as we will I still think that he was well off the pace you know before the World Cup he was starting to kind of grow into a game um, mm. towards the back end of that first part of the season I think maybe the Champions League just came a bit too soon for him from where he was at having not played uh, too much football because of the situation in China but you're seeing Aaron Moy almost deployed as a 10 or, you know, an 8, whatever you want to call it. And he's looking, you know, a, a bigger threat for Celtic and more effective than an attacking position because when we're tweeting about Callum McGregor linking the play between the back line and the forwards, he's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like kind of the, the inverse of Scott Brown. Because if you remember, Scott Brown was, you know, almost a number 10 at Hibs before he came to Celtic and then we kind of repurposed him as a sort of midfield destroyer whereas Aaron Moy we signed we signed him and a lot of fans were expecting him to be that Scott Brown type but he has developed into a much more creative much more attacking midfielder so it's great to see it's a it's a very pleasant surprise and like uh, like the commenter said there no shortage of options whatever type of midfield formation we deploy so it's really it's a really good situation to be in yeah absolutely and you know David Turnbull's one who is kind of backing that that mixing the the manager seems quite keen uh, James did to keep pinning around the club I know a lot of people maybe fought again because he's had a lack of game time um, just because you know we've got better options in there but he's came in he's he's done what Liam was talking about earlier you know he's said to the manager I'm here I'm ready I want to play um, and in terms of rotation he can be an important player for us towards the back end of the season when we're still competing in, in free competitions yeah, I, very, I rate Turnbull very highly. I think he's a really good player. People seem to forget he was the main creative Gold, force for the first The golden boy for the first part of the, the, the yeah, season. Yeah, the first last part year. of Andy's tenure, Turnbull was yeah. sort of one of the standout players. Andy was one of Andy's most trusted players as well. I think he started Play, he played game. the most amount of games. Yep. Yep. Yeah, every right. game up until the League Cup final, and that's sort of where things went downhill. His injury coinciding with the arrival of the legends of Hatati oh, and Matt O'Reilly and Aaron Moy now has left him with his chances at a minimum. He's getting some more opportunities recently, but we've got to think about it was Greenock Morton. Rotation was going to happen there. He's a very good player. He's excellent to have his depth. To have David Turnbull as a depth player is phenomenal. I was speaking about the quality of depth earlier. That's another testament to it. But I think he's too good to be a backup player. I wouldn't be surprised if moves come in from the summer the same way Jack Amakis, he's too good to be a backup player and the offers have come in for him in January. I can see a similar sort of thing happening with David Turnbull in the summer because he's too good to be a backup player. He could start Edinburgh. I think even that sort of a lower Premier League team, they could sort of come in and get him. It's it's interesting. Liam, what was your take on that? I, I quite like David Turnbull but I just don't mm. think at this point, you know, he's 
he's, he's anywhere near really the, the levels that we're getting out of some of the other players at the club. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to the opposition in St Murn and Morton. Um, it's a bit too early for me to judge where he's at this season yet. Yeah, I, I do think that it's, um, well, as, as we mentioned before, I think it's a, a case of a good player, but maybe at the wrong time. Um, and also, there's the fact that Turnbull's age, he's going to be hitting his peak round about the time the next World Cup comes around. And it is going to be a 48-team tournament. Well, it's a 48-team tournament. If we don't make the next one, we never bloody well, I'll tell you that much. Um, but, you know, he has had limited game time at international level, despite being one of our best midfielders, um, you know, whether he's playing for Celtic or not. And that is something that he, I think, will want to consider because he's the sort of guy that even at this young age, he should have, you know, 25, 30 caps for Scotland by now. Um, he's, he's that good that he should have, but I don't think he's even got half that. And it's and it's no right. But unfortunately, we live in a bit of a situation here where the Scotland manager does seem to be a bit old school in the terms of like, I don't care how good you are. If you're not playing first team football, you're not playing for the, the, the national team, which seems really, really backward to me. But that is kind of the attitude that, that, that Stevie Clark has. And so I really do think that... Uh, that Turnbull, if he wants to realise his Scotland ambitions, might have to go elsewhere, as much as we hope he doesn't. It's, uh, I'm just having a wee look here. 25 games this season, which is you know probably more than I expected him to have actually played. Um, four goals, five assists. He certainly played his, his part. As I say, the manager seems very keen on keeping them in a room the club. Uh, again, you don't know if there's planning in place, you know, if players are going to leave the club or, or whatever else that you know, and again, Aaron Moy is a top quality player. He won't last forever and whatnot. So there's a lot of things to, to, to weigh up when we're, we're talking about that. But at this point in time, as you say, James, he's a great option to have in there as a squad player, a great rotation player. Wouldn't be all too surprised if he actually starts up at Tannadice coming off the back of uh, two goals. Um, yeah, we've basically covered every other departure apart from Yakimakis, who still looks very likely to depart his pal Josip Juranovic out the door. That deal uh, and that saga eventually brought to an end. Uh, Liam, um, you know, wish Juranovic all the best. 18 months at the club, big, big player in the first season. Probably didn't hit his, his heights this season. Came off the back of a good World Cup. It made sense. Um, Celtic had brought in the replacement. The player was obviously keen in getting the move. Um, and we just move on from that. But but Yakimakis, are you still expecting him to leave Celtic in, in January with all the reports around uh, Ohion go to? Yeah, um, I think Yakimakis is for the off. However, as I've said several times before, I, I seriously doubt it will be Orala Reds. Um, just that that move just does not make sense for a club player or um, either the the club or the player's future ambitions. Um, because from an international perspective, if, you know, playing for Greece, if he moves to the J League, unfortunately the prejudice is that that's going to be perceived as kind of semi-retirement, you know. Um, and Urawa will not spend that much money on, with the greatest respect to Jack Amakis, a Celtic backup, um, which is what he is at the moment. So if they want, if they're going to spend the type of money that we want for Jack Amakis, they're going to want a marquee signing. And they will get, realistically, they'll get better for cheaper if they shop elsewhere. 
That's um, interesting. I think that the the move to Sampdoria, which has been rumoured, would, would suit Giacomacus a lot better, even though there's a possibility that will be Serie B next season because Sampdoria are mince at the moment. Um, but even then, you've got to argue that even playing in Serie B with, you know, the biggest club that will be in that league and chances are they'll come straight back up the following year, I would think, because Sampdoria are a massive club. Um, that's going to get more noticed for the Greek national team than playing in Japan is, unfortunately. Even though I think the standards are similar, um, it's just a case of exposure and less people in Europe watch the J-League than watch even the lower Italian leagues. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I know he's an international boss. Gus, Gus Poyet had a, a bit to say about it in the press over the weekend, saying that Yakimakis isn't getting enough game time um, at Celtic, and no matter what team he goes to, um, he'll still pick him for the international team. I don't think stuff like that really helps Yakimakis. You know, he's an international manager weighing in on the argument, even though he's obviously been asked the question. I just don't think that helps the player at all. James Ange hinted at the weekend, you know, he wasn't in the bench. We knew he'd returned to training. He came out with that line, you know, he's got a few things going on in the background. You would expect possibly, you know, by Friday or at some point this week that uh, that Yakimakis will probably be for the exit. Um, and again, Celtic have acted um, quickly to bring in a replacement who almost fits the same type of profile um, as Kyogo, um, which is quite interesting because a lot of people would have said going for Chogu Sung that we were going for a player who was in the same kind of similar mode to Yakimakis, a big striker and, and whatever else but uh, Ohio and Girl looks v- very much like a kind of Kyogo 2.0 just in terms of you know the, the way he likes to get in behind players he has pacey, he likes to press um, and he seems to be that, that kind of similar fit to Kyogo Yeah, I'm hoping we'll have this in and all wrapped up maybe even later on today maybe even during the last sort of 20 minutes of this show I read, I think it was on the I've BBC. I've got the notifications on, don't worry. If it comes <laughs> I read, in, we'll get it. I read, I think it was on the BBC. I think he was supposed to be in the South Korea World Cup squad, but he gave up his space to Son Heung-min, who his position was in jeopardy with a facial injury, but he gave up his place. I don't know if that's a good thing, if it, that it shows how self, selfless he is, he'll give up the opportunity, or if perhaps it shows a lack of ambition, but it's... I still need to report anyway, but when you look at the fee, a £2.5 million pound fee is the one that's been reported. It's sort of a similar fee to what we paid for Jorius Yakimakis. And if he can provide a similar sort of goal return to Jorius Yakimakis, I think he will be a welcome addition to this Celtic team. But just on Jorius Yakimakis, I think we're all just waiting for the end of the saga, the same way we were with Juranovic. As soon as Alistair Johnson came in, we knew Juranovic was off. We're now linked with Ohyun Gyu, who looks very, very close to joining. So we're all just waiting for Yakimakis to go. And as Liam mentioned earlier, I hope it's not Samp Doria, because Samp are absolutely garbage just now. And he looks like <laughs> if he goes to Samp Doria, he'll be taking shots into GG Buffon and Serie B next season. But Yakimakis, he's in the last stages of his career. He's been a journeyman striker the majority of his career. And you can see him wanting a final payday. He's just had a child. And this is the prime of his career. He's playing the best football he's played his entire career. So he'll be wanting to be playing consistently as well. And as you mentioned earlier, Gus Poyet saying in the media that he's not playing off isn't going to help Yakimakis' case. 
at all. So he will be wanting to get a move where he'll be playing consistently. And if he has to go to Sampdoria and Serie B, then so be it. Yeah. Um, See, just to take up that point, that the Gus Poyet thing, I actually think that there was a... Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think there was a kind of a hidden message in that. Um, Poyet emphasised how important it is. He said he always tells players the importance of choices and making the right choices at the right times. To me, I think that was him saying, if you go outside of Europe, you're not getting a game. That, to me, was what he was saying. saying like, Stay in a European league where I can keep tabs on you. I think it's more of a, him, him you're not playing enough. Go well, aye, aye. Aye. So you think there's nudge nudges and brown envelopes going on that but what would be the only thing that's uh... <laughs> Your and... words not mine, I'm not I'm just words. saying I'm just saying but uh, again, you know, we were talking about a striking situation. Uh, again the weekend once again proved that he's just hit twenty goals for the season. Um I've got him in my mug right here that this man is in incredible form, Liam. Um Mm. And, you know, we've had him fit for the full season. I think he'll hit 30 this season. Teams are struggling to cope with him. Well, if there's one thing Kyogo's good at, it's making a mug of people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'm going to copyright that one. Aye, that's uh, it. <laughs> no, I, he's been he's been sensational. And uh, that's the thing. Even when people were saying, oh, he's, you know, he's not quite what he was last year, it's like, what exactly was he doing wrong? He was still scoring goals. He was still playing well. You know, you can't take every chance you get as a striker. That just never happens. And, you know, if if Kyogo misses five chances in a game, but he takes two of them, that's still more than we want from any... Aye, very good, Paddy. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, we, uh, you know, that, that's... Brushes than... in the comments. Aye, aye. I'm here all week. Uh, that, 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 that's you know that that's more than enough for a striker. If he takes a, if he takes a couple of chances, that's all you can ask for. And I think Kyogo has been doing that and doing that consistently. No, absolutely, um, James. He, he looks unstoppable. I really hope that no injury comes his way because, as I say, I think he'll hit 30 goals easy for Celtic this season, just the form that he's in and he's going up to a venue at the weekend that he had to hit it um, earlier on in the season in the 9-0 victory so I'm sure he'll be fancying his chances of getting in the score sheet at Tannadice again Yeah, I remember his second goal at Tannadice was an absolute scream I remember he was holding his head in shock as well he couldn't believe it, but just on his form just now, I think he's on par with his form when he first came into Celtic, he's absolutely flying just now. But he, he just can't seem to get a hat trick at the moment because Ange always subs him off when he's on a brace. He, he always <laughs> subs him off when he's on two goals, but he's an amazing player, probably my favourite player at the club. And just like Liam, I was in the exact same boat. So I was stunned when people said he was out of form, just coming in from the break. I believe he was top scorer in the league at that time as well when people were calling him out of form. He's equaled his tally for last season already. And if he stays injury-free, he can easily crack 30, maybe even 35 goals this season. Oh, there's a big call. 35 goals, James. I'm, I'm going to be 30. Somewhere between 25 and 30, but I think he should uh, hit 30 goals. And, Liam, I, I saw a stat, you know, in terms of goals in uh, Scottish Premiership this season, you know, Kyogo's in 17, Lawrence Shankton behind him with one, but when you take penalty kicks out of it, um, it's Kyogo with 17 and Shanklin with 7 which again shows that he doesn't even need um, that added extra in his game 
Aye, but if you take penalty kicks out of it, we'd be about 25 points ahead of Rangers at the moment. So, you know. <laughs> um, no, that, that, that's the thing. It's it's about creating chances as much as scoring them. And Kyogo is getting into those positions more, which is why he's getting more goals. And, yeah, we're not getting as many penalties as we should at the moment. I think that's a, another debate to be had. Um, but, yeah, he's just... Well, as, you know, I... My personal favourite Celtic player is, is Maeda, but that's because I've been following his career even back here. Used to play for my local team. But Vic so, Kyogo is, is definitely a close second at the moment. He's he's absolutely outstanding. He really is. Okay. There we go. So James's favourite is Kyogo. Liam's is uh, Dyson. Mine's is Callum McGregor. Um, I've been Callum's big fan of Callum ever since he was 14, so I can't, um, you know, run away now when he's aging towards a... Uh, the old testimonial, I think that'd be next year, aye. Um, so that'd be quite interesting to see what happens with that. But I, Callum McGregor's a bad man still. But yeah, Kyogo's goals are outstanding. Uh, and Liam, are, are you surprised that we're going with a, a striker almost who's in a similar kind of mould to, to, to Kyogo? Or, or again, is that just that kind of, I don't want to say blueprint, green print of how we want to play football? <laughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But the, the thing is, though, if you actually look into it, um, just because he's, he's an Asian striker and he's of a similar build, people think, oh, he's another Kyogo. But there's more to his game than that. This um, all you can hold up a, the ball. I've noticed as well. Mm, aye, aye. He's 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 more of a like you say, get the ball back to goal, make things happen kind of striker. Whereas Kyogo is all about finding those spaces in between the mm. defenders. O is more about creating something for himself. You know, Kyogo is great, but Kyogo relies on our our wing play. He relies on those balls from Maeda, from Abada, from Jota. You know, through balls from Hatate and, and O'Reilly as well, but always more likely to get get his foot on the ball and make something happen in his own right. Um, you know, similar to Jackamakis in that sense, because that's what we looked to Jackamakis for, and unfortunately, he's not done it as often as we would have liked. Um, and O has got youth on his side as well; he'll develop as time goes on. The K League is a wee bit more physical than the J-League. So he's not going to have that. Because if you remember that for the adjustment period, for the first five or six games, Kyogo was getting roughed up quite a bit mm. before he, he got savvy to it. I don't think O is going to have that same problem. I think you'll find a guy who will come in day one and will be able to mix it up with any you know any antics that the opposing centre-halves might try with him. And I think if he goes up against Anthony Stewart based on his past previous uh, couple of performances I don't think you'll have any uh, issues there um, to, to get both of your take on this this was something 
I had highlighted months ago when it came out that the Scottish Cup, James, was going to go down a similar path of the FA Cup in England, that the, the VAR would be used in some games, but not others. So, for instance, obviously Celtic at the weekend, VAR's used because we're a Premiership side and we're on the telly. I don't think Dundee United and University of Stirling um, decided to go for it. Um, had they went for it, Dundee United would have had to foot the bill or they would have half the bill. Um, and obviously last night, Darvo, five divisions below Aberdeen, no VAR. You know, and a lot of people looking at it, I don't think it was a penalty in the Celtic game at the weekend with the handball with F.A. Ambrose. I just don't think it is. Um, and last night, I thought Darvo were well worth their, their, their win over the Dons last night. Um, but, you know, Jim Goodwin could potentially be facing the, the sack, rightfully so, for a terrible run of form. Um, but, you know, the, the offside in the game is just baffling at how uh, well, that's Oh, I, how that's choked off, I don't know. Um, but just in terms of the whole balance of it, for me with VAR, take the decisions out. It, to me, it's an all or nothing, as small faces would say. Either have it for every single game or don't. I think you'd be just better saying it's not there until maybe the semi-final and final stage or just not at all in the competition with the way it's been working. Yeah, that's, the VR debate's been raging on for so long. It's not fair to give... Some teams VR and some teams don't have VR in the Scottish Cup because the money for some of those lower teams as well is incredibly vital to their sort of survival. So it's, it's really not fair, and you could perhaps even argue it might be fair because a terrible VR has been just on the penalties against Morton. I think there was two penalty calls there, and the referee got both of them wrong. Was, the first one it, it deflects on the Argos's hand. There's nothing. He can do about it. That's not a penalty, and I think everybody, even most Celtic fans, are in a unanimous agreement that that wasn't a penalty. But there's a call a bit later on in the game. It might even have been the first half where Ambrose is. I think it's Ambrose is sort of sliding down. I think Abad has the shot, and then it, it hits his hand. I think that yeah. that was more of a penalty than Aye, the first assistant. The referee didn't give it. It's just yeah, did, did you enjoy watching it. the big man back at Celtic Park? By the way, it brought back a lot of great memories for me seeing him back in the park well they brought back some bad memories with the <laughs> calamitous <laughs> defending I think he gave us I think he forgot what team he was playing for I had a wee flashback it was sort of shades of that dreaded Juventus game Juventus game I knew how yeah, how did I know you were going to say Juventus <laughs> in the Champions League well that's that but people also forget that Ambrose I think he, he played at centre back in the 2-1 one for Barcelona didn't he yeah he did but I'm just looking at a picture of him actually in my Kevin ball here I've got a Actually, I've got a picture. It's Celtic to Barcelona, um, and it's the, the stadium that night. And it's got kind of Fraser Foster saving a shot, Tony Watts going, Victor Vanyamas going. It's got the team photo on it, and it, you've actually just made me realise that I've got a picture of Effie Ambrose up my wall there with Kevin with <laughs> Kelvin Wilson, Miku. I've um, forgotten that name, Miku Fido. Adam Matthews. Adam Matthews. Yeah, you can't put him in the same fold as a Miku or an Ambrose. And Lassad, I think, would have been on the bench for Celtic that night. I think uh, Charlie McGregor, Chris Commons would have been the captain. Um, but anyway, back to back to what we were saying there. Liam, are you much the same small faces fan like me, all or nothing with us? Yeah, because what you have now is a tournament that's fundamentally unfair because some teams are going to get an advantage and some teams aren't. That's Whenever the 
the sponsorship deal for this this tournament was agreed, which I think you know, knowing the SFA was probably just before the season started. Um, they should have done a costings of how much is it going to cost on top of our usual organisational fees for VAR, and that should have been the minimum acceptable bid for the sponsorship deal. They should have factored the cost in. Um, because where is that sponsorship money going? Because you've still got the the gravy train of Blazers at every every cup game, haven't you? You know, every I bet they'll all have their tickets for the League Cup final, won't they? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Probably all paid for by, you know, sponsors' money. Um no, I'm sorry, but this just stinks. It stinks to high heaven. Um either you play a tournament with the same rules for everybody or you don't play. I mean, think about any other sport, right? Imagine if you're a boxer, right? And you've got the, the panel of three judges. You get a heavyweight title fight. And just before the fight starts, say, oh, listen, two of the, two of the judges have called off. You only get one judge tonight. You'd be like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> the fight's not going to end. But, you know, VAR, we're essentially getting told that. We're being told, yeah, you are getting a lesser quality of referee than other people are because, um, well, we think they're more important than you. It's basically what we're being told. Yeah, and even, you know, all three of us, I think, are, are VAR sceptics. If you think that, you know, the, the technology is a good thing, um, I don't know what you've maybe been watching if you have. Uh, oh, no, I, wait a minute. I think the technology's fine. It's the people running it are the problem. I think it's uh, There's issues with the technology as well. Uh, it's the, mm. the the actual. I don't think it's the the best technology that we would have type of thing, Liam. You know, I, I read the. Uh, it was actually Charlie Nicholas of all people, um, in his column last week, and he was saying that Scottish football's actually got the cheapest form, a VAR that's possible. I think it's three hundred twenty-five grand a season. Um, so right. even the technology itself, I don't know if that's to do with cameras and whatever else. Um, you know, we've already you know. Paul John gave us the remarkable news that, you know, it was sitting out in a van in the middle of nowhere. It just seems all a bit, you know, cutting corners to this. And what I was going to say there was, in terms of, you know, your thoughts on VAR, it would be unfair, you know, say Celtic are away to a championship team. Say we hadn't got home tie at home to the St. Martin, we're a championship team, we're denied a penalty or whatever, you know, we'd still be having this conversation. Mm. I know it's not ourselves that are really involved in this. We have not the ones who you would say are, are hard done by in this conversations, but it could happen. And again, with some of the smaller clubs in the cup, you know, it can be livelihoods, it can be extra money and whatnot to progress to another round. So, um, See, the, the thing, the, so, sorry to interrupt, the, the, the one thing which, which, which bugs me about this, right, is, now, you're right, there are issues with the technology in the sense that we've gone for the, the Poundland version of it, right? right. But, the is Poundland still a thing? I don't know. Anyway, yes, yeah, it is. Right, right. Yeah, okay, as I think, uh, it probably with everything else here. Uh, probably it's probably ten. It's probably ten Poundland now. Aye. Uh, anyway, the um the, the issue with it is that to me, when VAR came in, it seems to me from day one. Did he say that before I before I yes, said he, it? Yes, he did actually. I saw it go. But um, no, getting back on point that. The thing is, when VAR first came in, it was quite obvious that the one thing that referees in Scotland are terrified of is accountability. And VAR is a is supposed to be a form of enforced accountability for decisions. Um, 
and it, to me it's like now you two being a bit younger than me you'll obviously have m- fresher memories of this than I will but cast your mind back to when you were in primary school or high school and your mum tells you to do the dishes but you can't be bothered doing them right it's still the same that so I you do such a pathetic <clears throat> half arse job of it that she says oh give me it I'll do it myself right I still go on in this household lane, by the way. Don't think I don't still do that. But that is what the referees are like with VAR. They are deliberately running it into the ground so that fans are going to say, this VAR is rubbish, scrap it. That that is what they're pushing for. Quite, and it's it, to me, it is. It's been that way from day one, from the moment that you know those dodgy decisions Celtic had against Hearts. It has been obvious they do not want VAR to work. The will is not there to make it work, and it's like let's just keep having one goof after another. So eventually, the fans will get sick of it and demand that it just go back to the way it was before, and they can go back to their wee. Are we, you know, are we confab at the lodge and run run the leagues as they see fit? And and so many people had warned, you know, that it would take the derby game um, for everybody to really be an uproar about this, and that that th- there it was. Um, it eventually came, um, and you know, there's so much we can talk about it. But just in terms of the Scottish Cup, I don't think it's fair at all. And even going back to, if you both remember the offside at Fir Park with, with Jota. It was a similar sort of position. Uh, I, I think it was Kevin Nisbet. I, I, I mean, I've been at Fur Park a couple of weeks back, and the camera's bloody close at the Easter Road than it was at Fur Park. So, you know, <laughs> you you can't, you know, but you you need to give people a chance. Um, even though the people that are making the decisions do, I think want a chance. And as you say there, Liam, um, but well, the technology's rotten. Starting with that, everything else is just poor. We've bored young James that much about VAR that he's cut off and left us there. Um, there was up, but I just want to get your thoughts on this uh, lastly, because I wasn't on last week. I found it really, really interesting last week that when asked about Matthew Anderson signing the New Deal, Liam, um, the, the, the manager, you know, spoke about six to 12 months. There's going to be, a you know, a more than one kind of B-team player coming into the side. Boston Labo comes on at the weekend. That's something that's quite exciting at this point in time at Celtic too. We've obviously spoken about outgoings at the start of the show, the possible arrival of Ohio and Gerb, but in terms of B-team players, it looks as if there could be a few in the mix. That's the unknown quantity. And that's the, that, like you say, that could be the, the wild card. You know, imagine if we just suddenly pitched in a Lawal against Rangers or something like that, you know. Um, so many Celtic greats of the past have come in from the youth team or the reserve team and done magical things in an important game, a cup game or a derby game. And they've just, that's been the springboard for them. And if one of these current B team players could do that in the next year or two, that would really be a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, it would be something um, that I'm looking forward to. I think he's back there. He's there. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you heard anything about what we were saying there. I know you were at the, the, the B team game against Rangers a few weeks back and I was just saying there James I thought it was interesting and exciting last week that, that Ange spoke about that potential um, pathway into the first team for a few of the lads between 6 and 12 months I'm saying you know Matthew Anderson signing in the deal uh, Big Boss and Labo coming on at the weekend we've obviously seen Rocco Vata make his senior debut away at Easter Road the future looks bright for a couple of these lads Yeah something I've been ranting and raving about on the podcast for ages that there's not a clear pathway and Liam touched on it earlier on about the homegrown quota 
we're, we're hardly going to be able to fulfil it if we're not giving these players an opportunity. Guys like Matty Anderson is very sort of highly regarded and spoke very well of him, said he could see him in the first team in the next few years, which is encouraging signs. But I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I think the only promise that Ange hasn't fulfilled that he made at the start when he first came in was that he was going to give young players a chance. I don't think he's done that enough, but we've seen improvements this season. We've seen Rocco Vata get a chance, Boston Lowell get his chance. I think he could have more of a chance. I just want to touch on Boston Lowell here. I think he's looked far and away the best player in the B team. I think I He's said, a big lumpy boy, yeah. Yeah, I think I said in the Axon chat after the B team game that he reminds me of Van Dyke when in the same mould of that Van Dyke looked too good for the league, where he was sort of driving forward and becoming an attacking player because he was that good. I'm not saying both Laval is the same level as Virgil van Dijk, but just the way he plays in that B team, he is controlling everything because he's too good to do the defending now. He just, he is everything in that B team. And I think the chance will come soon enough. Uh, several, people I, several people I spoke to about that B team game said that they said that Lowell absolutely ran the show um, I wasn't there myself but that's what you've said there is backed up by pretty much everybody I spoke to who was at that game so I, it takes a special kind of standout for everybody to kind of come away with that same conclusion you know? you've heard it here first um, I'm sure it's already been mentioned on the pod Beforehand, um, I wasn't able to get along uh, to the event on Friday, but I'm sure Paul would like me to to pass on my thanks to everybody who attended. I'm sure it was a great night. Uh, Chalky, as he is better known, um, is always good crack, even though you don't know uh, what way to to take him sometimes. I've been on the the end of a few uh, uh, dodgy conversations with him when you uh, you think, oh, oh, and then and he gives you that wee smile and you know you're absolutely fine so I'm sure it was a great night with Brian McClare um, who's a great f- friend of the podcast and of course we've got nights coming up with uh, the great Danny McGrain and Martin O'Neill and Tom Boyd to follow so yep thank you to both James Liam uh, on this Tuesday next week I am off to Italy to Rome so I won't be here I might catch you later on in the week so ciao for now phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.